How's it going, everybody? Adrian here for what used to be called the Gaming Observer Podcast. Uh, we're going to be going through a little bit of a name change. I think we're going to stick with the Adrian and Cato show, but I, I don't know. We're still a little up in the air with this kind of thing. Nonetheless, we're it's... Workshopping. Yeah, we're <laughs> workshopping, but it's, it, it's the weekly show that features uh, myself and my esteemed co-host, Cato Sepp. Hello, Cato. Hey, how's it going? Extremely well, and happy Halloween! We're, we're recording this on, on October 31st. It's a Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, kind of hard to celebrate Halloween like like we normally do, but uh, very exciting to, to you know, have a, have a holiday on our hands. Yeah, I mean, we can still, you know, watch scary movies, and uh, my wife and I put candy in bags a while ago, oh, yeah. and we're putting that out, so it's like a, like a COVID-safe... I don't know, because I know there's going to be some kids that are trick-or-treating anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but. we, um, last year, we're in a basement apartment, right? It's not our own house, so we can't really do that kind of thing. Uh, so last year and the year before, we literally just, like, went for a walk just to, like, see all the kids in their costumes, because we couldn't do anything else. Just have your landlord be like, all right, kids, go down to the basement to get candy. <laughs> oh, we totally should have set up some kind of, like, haunted house thing. Oh, that would have been so good. Uh, well, yeah. anyway, uh, folks, uh, today we're going to talk about some video games and we figured what the heck it's Halloween. Let's, let's talk about some of the spooky stuff and, and the Halloween themed, scary themed, uh, video games, because I don't know about you. I, I don't have an extensive history with these horror games. Well, actually I do know a little bit is that you've played many more than I have. So I figured what the <laughs> heck, let's, uh, let's talk about them. Uh, you know, just give me like a, like an overall, how, where are you on the spectrum of like enjoying horror and horror video games and scary stuff so i get scared very very easily i uh i've always watched horror movies and and stuff despite just being absolutely terrified by it i have vivid memories as a kid of watching the movie the ring and like not literally literally not sleeping for two days like i just couldn't i was so terrified I didn't even have a TV in my room, but I was just so scared that, you know, Ring Girl was going to pop out of somewhere and and, and come get me. <laughs> and games like amplify that on a whole new level for me, like being being the character and knowing I will screw up and get myself killed, like just makes it so much more intense. And I love every second of that. So I I watch every horror movie I can get. I play every horror game that I can find. Uh, I absolutely love that feeling of just being terrified. <laughs> wow, that's that's very fair. Yeah, I have my best friend is the same way. Like he tries to he's a big fan of like the classic horror movies as well. Right. The Friday the 13th and the whatnot. Um, so he's tried to like push a lot of that onto me. But as I grew up, like when I was a kid, I was very like very conservative, like, like to myself. I didn't like to be disturbed too much. Like I was just very <laughs> here's my path. And that's the way I like to live life. And um it, you know, if that makes any sense at all. But it, it, in any event, to say scary movies were like, they were there, but they weren't like my thing. Um, especially even nowadays, like if something is super gory or super, super like hard to watch, I'm like, eh, maybe not. But what I've come to really appreciate is just like kind of that creation process of making you scared. You know, the the idea that goes into like, oh, how do we actually like get an emotion out of somebody? Right. And that's what art is all about, is getting emotions out of people. And if you can do that without going to the cheap like jump scare or, you know, whatever it is, that's something that I've really grown to appreciate. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, I do the, try the to watch. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you no, go no, no, no. I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting you off. No, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> all, all I meant to say is, you know, the the 
appreciation there is for kind of the art that goes into it but i hate every moment so every game that i try and play every movie that i try and watch like i try to immerse myself into it but i regret it every time you regret it so like (laughs) you do like you know you're sitting there in bed you've got your blankets like pulled up to your neck and you're just like oh i wish i didn't do that yeah, pretty much. It's, uh, there's some movies that I really love, right? Like there's like A Quiet Place. Like that's a really easy mm-hmm. one to watch, but it's tense and it's scary and it's, you know, but it's not like like I'm going to cry myself to sleep at night, you know? Like it's it's fairly tame in that respect. Um, so anyway, with video games, it's a little worse, I think, because like you said, you are the character and there's a level of interactivity there that is much harder to deal with, in my opinion. Uh, for example, I have recently been playing Resident Evil 7, This is my first Resident Evil, and the only thing that I really know about Resident Evil is zombies, and uh, I played the Resident Evil 3 reboot demo, and that was, again, it's not really, like, I didn't find it very scary, it was more, like, action-y zombie type thing, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't, like, super scared. So that's kind of what I was expecting for Resident Evil 7. That is not what 7 is. Oh my god, the first, like, there's still, like, some freaky paranormal stuff going on in 7, but the first at least two, three hours of that game is very, very real. And I I was incredibly scared. I had to, like, what, I, I did, like, one play session, and I was like, you know what? I need to lighten the mood. I need to do something a little more feel-good. I turned on some Mass Effect. I'll talk, talk about that later. Um, and then I just waited for Shelby to get home from work. Like, I'm, like, I'm such a, a scaredy cat when it came to that kind of thing. So, yeah, I know. You, you've played Seven, right? I have played some of seven. I have not finished it. I actually watched a let's play of, of a lot of it uh, before I got it. Yeah, that, oh man, that game is probably one of the scariest Resident Evil games. I actually, I, I heard that you had started Resident Evil seven and I know I sent you a discord message like saying you started with just the absolute most intense one. <laughs> I, uh, I love it. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing how that game, like if you if you're familiar with the Resident Evil franchise, is actually remarkably like the first game, but is very 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 different at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it it takes a lot of inspiration from, um, well, I mean, I guess it's controversial, but uh, you know, from like PT, where everything's in first person, and uh, you know, it's it's harping on kind of Western movies. Um, you know, the Hills Have Eyes and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like major influences for that game, um, and, which is wildly different from the entire rest of the series. But at the same time, that feeling of going back and forth in this mansion and and solving weird puzzles, like you have to find all the uh, what is it like? There's a there's a light shadow puzzle kind of early yeah. on in the game, uh, or you have to find like cards to make shadows. Like that's very much like the first one and something they kind of dropped in recent years. Um, yeah, that's um that that was the thing that really got me, right? Like I I never played Amnesia or any of these other games that are like meant to be horror games kind of first, right? Where it's mm-hmm. it's a methodical puzzle like a lot of puzzle elements slower and it's kind of like an experience that you're going through whereas what i found with the with the resident evil 3 reboot it was more just like i was like i was saying it's like a typical kind of action shooter i know there's survival elements in there and stuff like that and it is scary but um either way it's not like that full immersive experience right and so yeah i start resident evil 7 and i can already tell immediately it's this cinematic experience right just with the way that they frame the opening of the game and I'm like, 
I just want to stay here. Like, it's like there's the sun is out. You're going on like a, I mean, it's a scary plot line, but, you know, you're going on like a road trip. There, You can see the nice leaves on the ground. I'm like, let's just stay here. I didn't want to move forward with the plot. I just wanted to stay in the car. Right? Yeah, I know. They, they give you that whole moment where he's like, I have to go in to, what, find his girlfriend? Is that the situation? Wife? Yeah. No, no, no. Hey, hold on. Let me stay on this for a second. This man okay. is trying to find his wife who has been missing for three years. Okay, this is the plot line, and the f- and he you know he has to go into the house, which is all scary. It's dark. She's in the basement. He goes and he finds her, and he goes, "How you doing?" or like something like that. And I'm like, "Bro," <laughs> I I was so angry at the dialogue. He like pushes her shoulder, and he goes, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "This is your wife who you've been missing for three years." And then they're just like having like this regular conversation. She's like, "Oh, we got to get out of here." And I'm like, "Are you not like?" excited no to see each other like nope. <laughs> oh i was so angry about that that one really took me out of the moment uh besides that they're doing really well but yeah the uh the kind of like mutant horrible chainsaw people kind of put a damper on the emotional reunion <laughs> to be fair like i totally agree that scene was really weird and and creepy and um yeah, but also at the same time, I did appreciate how they immediately went to, we should get out of this horrible, <laughs> horrible situation. Because in horror movies and stuff, they always do that, where they're like, they're like, oh, it's so good to see you again. I'm, I'm so glad you're alive. And I'm like, there's a serial killer, like, right outside the door. Like, I get it. I get it. You're happy to see each other. That's great. Get out of here. <laughs> Move. <Fair. laughs> And, you know, that disconnect could also be a lot worse if you're the person in control, right? Like, if you just... And I think that's an interesting challenge for video games to try and tackle, which is that if you're in control and you just want to leave, and then the game is stopping you from leaving with some, you know, there's an invisible wall or something like that, then that can be really immersion-breaking, right? So Mm -hmm. I think finding creative ways around that is something that Resident Evil did quite well, uh, considering the the environment that they put you in, which is just a, a house, right? So they have to look for ways to keep you trapped in this house. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's a fascinating challenge. I was actually, I was talking with a buddy of mine uh, about horror game design, and I know we were talking about it on our stream, and we'll, we'll go into that, that a little later. But um, <clears throat> like horror game design is so steeped in like contradiction and and so many things that you have to do versus things that like games kind of make you do and yeah like a lot of people think you know a horror game okay like we're gonna have jump scares they're gonna like look in this one place and and then something's gonna jump out at them well in a video game you can't make somebody look in one place unless you take control of the camera away from them you you turn it into a cutscene. right but then as you turn it into a cutscene, the person's not as scared because they know that they can't do anything wrong that you can't screw up a cutscene. so you want to like it's kind of horror game design ethos that you want to keep the player in control as much as humanly possible but then they're not made to look in that one place <laughs> to see the scary thing right. um and it's just it's such a it's such a like contradiction that you have to deal with constantly. There's things like that. There's things like the, we were talking about actual difficulty versus perceived difficulty. Like you want a game to seem harder than it actually is because if somebody dies too often, it stops being scary. 
like uh, an example, a- Alien Isolation is an absolutely fantastic game and I love it. But you, I, I feel like most people will get over their fright pretty early because you die so, so often in that game. And that death just kind of becomes like, eh, what, you know, whatever, I'm dead again. That's, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's something I'm having with Seven as well, where they have this one room where you're kind of safe from this family who's trying to chase you down where you're stuck in the house. Um, and I always found myself being like, okay, uh, you know, you have your save points in this room. And then when I exited the room, the, the evil man kept appearing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, there he is. And I try to escape him and I fail and I die. And I go, okay, back in the room I go. And that moment yeah. of being killed was super scary the first time. And then all the other times I was just getting annoyed that I couldn't get past the super scary man. Um, yeah. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah, because you've seen the worst that the game can offer. Like the the death state, the kill state is the worst that the game can offer. And now you've seen it. Now it's not unknown anymore. Right. So you're like, okay, well, I, I know what's going to happen now. Interesting. And yeah, it's such a it's such a fascinating thing. But but yeah, RE7, I just I don't know. That was such a great revitalization of that series because it had been floundering so hard for so long. They were just coming out with absolutely terrible multiplayer spinoffs and like RE6 is just an absolute travesty. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was supposed to be like the, the bringing it back to its roots. RE6, they had talked about like, Oh, we're back to doing zombies. Cause they'd actually steered away from zombies for a while. And, uh, Oh yeah. Anyway, RE7, I had no hope for it and it just came out and, Oh, so good. That's good. And you know, like I was saying, like I, I, the thing that I like about horror is appreciating the art and the direction and the the pacing and all that stuff. And I feel like they did that really well, right? Like I've always naturally avoided games like Amnesia just because I kind of watch it and like, and obviously watching is different than playing it. But usually I watch it and I'm like, this doesn't seem like I'm gonna get all that invested. And I played Resident Evil Seven and I did so. Uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like they did a really good job. Even if it is a, a new direction or a, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I I, I'm, I think I, people will welcome it. Oh, yeah. I hope they stick with it. for. Well, it seems like they are for RE8. I don't think we've seen gameplay yet, but it, I would be so surprised if they don't return to the first person. Yeah, Resident Evil um, 7 was very successful, and the mm-hmm. cinematic trailers for, for 8 have been uh, quite intense, let's say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they have been so creepy. I'm so excited for that. Uh, you've been you've been playing Silent Hill two on stream on Twitch.tv slash Kadosep uh, every Tuesday. Yes, every Tuesday, four to six p.m. Uh, what um, I, I watched some of it, or I, I watched quite a bit of it actually. It's an older <laughs> game, so probably harder to get scared by necessarily. But it is, uh, it, I don't know, like does it hold up? So <clears throat> I'm still kind of mixed on it. I it's a PlayStation two game, uh, and I think early playstation 2 if i recall i i don't remember the exact year off the top of my head um but it seems fairly early playstation 2 and it's so silent hill goes for uh kind of that ethos you you actually mentioned it earlier about how gore and and like just slasher and stuff like that's not quite like it's gross and there's a there's something to be said for it but it's not like horror it's not scary in the same sense as like just this foreboding atmosphere um something like a a lot of modern horror movies go for like hereditary or the witch is more like the atmosphere the unknown 
um, being scared of what you cannot see. Mm. And <clears throat> like if Resident Evil is the zombie movie, the Silent Hill is is that they're the atmospheric um, kind of just creepy. You know, there's fog everywhere and it's hard to see anything. Um, it's it's more going for the atmosphere. And there's I'm I'm just I'm not very far in uh, for those of you who've played it. We just got through the apartment complex uh, and I went over to the bowling alley. Like, right. That's the last thing that we we did on stream. Um, <clears throat> and I, one thing that's actually really taken me out of it is the the really remarkably bad voice acting. <laughs> Like, I know we watched it. I, I think you even commented on it. But, yeah, the voice acting is just utterly atrocious. Yeah. It's so, so bad. Um, I, I, and not maybe maybe not like House of the Dead levels of bad, but almost. <laughs> and it's hard to take it seriously. Like House of the Dead, you're not supposed to take seriously. This wants you to be freaked out. But I'm just kind of like, what's wrong with all of these people? Like. I mean, sure, some of the people, if it was just the townsfolk, I guess I would be like, oh, it's creepy. Everyone in this town is so weird. But the main character is just as weird. He's right. like asking nonsensical questions and <laughs> saying things that don't make any sense. They're just, it's just bizarre. Um, but the monsters are really creepy. Uh, we had an encounter with Pyramid Head uh, in the last episode that was that was pretty freaky. Um, I didn't know what to do for a long time. So that was good. Uh, so I guess I'd say it holds up if you like that kind of old style of horror games. Um, that's uh, like if you're if you're into the fixed camera angles, um, I'd say it's pretty good. Uh, if you've grown up and, and cut your teeth on modern horror, I think it's going to be hard to go back to. But. One of my one of my earliest horror memories because this is also an older, I, I would assume it was on PlayStation, but I was watching it on Xbox, um, was I, I was just a little kid, and we had this this Xbox with a bunch of games on it, and there were some games that were off limits to me. I wasn't allowed to play them for one reason or another, you know, GTA and whatnot. And um, one of them was uh, was Manhunt. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I, but there was a time, and it might have even been around Halloween, weirdly in my memory, but uh, I was, I was, you know, downstairs, and I saw my family playing, like, Manhunt, and I was like, oh, I'm watching the adult game. I don't remember anything about it, but do you know, do you know anything about it? Uh, it's really gruesome. I know that they originally submitted it, and it got an adults-only rating, and they had to get it, get it fixed, but it's by Rockstar, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. I think so yeah anyway yeah super violent it's like saw uh when they came out with saw the video game i was thinking like oh it's, it's like manhunt <laughs> yeah so the, like that to me like that's the picture in my mind when i'm a kid of like seeing that shot of manhunt when i was watching silent hill 2 it's probably it might be a totally different game but uh the kind of the fixed camera angle older graphics that was kind of what i related it to yeah, I mean, that was the standard for a long time. And that was how they dealt with that whole, like, you can't make a player look in this direction. Um, I mean, I guess in the original Resident Evil, it was more of a technical limitation. They literally couldn't do it any other way. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it stuck around for a long time. Let's uh, let's talk about some of our favorites then. Because I like yeah. Resident Evil 7 is doing really well. I probably wouldn't say it's like my favorite horror game. 
Um, I think, uh, well, the other thing is I haven't played a lot of horror games because I was looking through like the list of like, we, we did a mailbag question, which we're going to talk about some of the answers, but, um, looking at some of the games that people have been playing, I'm like, I haven't played most of these. The one that did stand out was like Alan Wake. I don't know if that's, is that a horror game? I mean, technically I didn't think it was that scary, but it, it is like horror atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, It's like Twilight Zone. I mean, they reference Twilight Zone frequently in that game. Yeah. I'd say it's most like Twilight Zone. And I think that's where like my niche kind of is with this is like games that are just a little bit creepy that they'll put you on edge for a good bit. And then the gameplay isn't like specifically like amnesia or whatever where it's all about the horror but there's elements there that are gonna freak you out i think that's where i really get in myself invested because alan wake tremendous game uh really so good, good use of lighting and and t- storytelling and all of this stuff i haven't played it in a long time i wanted to play it again but uh yeah i think a lot of people want them to also revisit alan wake they've been asking for a long time yeah it bummed me out so much the the, the direction they went to with american nightmare uh, with Alan Wake American Nightmare, where they turned it into like an arcadey style game. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I really would love to see them do Alan Wake 2, really like the original Alan Wake, because it was such a good game. So you know, worth it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't or if they do, to be honest, because they've they've talked a long time about kind of this remedy cinematic or extended universe, which is I think what they're calling it, where all of their games yeah. are connected in some way. And Alan Wake has now made an appearance in their latest game, Control. So if they, you know, come out with another Alan Wake 2, I don't think that would be too out, too far out of left field for what they're making. I still don't understand how Alan Wake tone fits with Control. I just I just don't see it. And to be fair, I have not played Control, but I've, you know, seen trailers and stuff of it. I just don't really see that. But I think the, yeah. I, the Control, I don't know the exact storyline of Control, but the idea is that there's some kind of organization and one of their cases or one of their, uh, you know, p- things that they worked with was the case of Alan Wake. Yeah, is kind of like my with the Dark Universe, the 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 kind of the mummy, you know, the movie that came out that not that long ago with Tom Cruise, kind of what they were going for. Like there's an organization hunting down these monsters. Well, I guess that's what the Godzilla and King Kong movies have been doing, too. That's just, I guess, the go to plot trope yeah. for shared universe movies. Uh, what are what are some of your other favorites? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I got to say my one of my first that I really remember being terrified by was Resident Evil Code Veronica, uh, which was the often forgotten Resident Evil that was on the Sega Dreamcast originally. And it did get ported to the PlayStation 2 uh, as Code Veronica X. And I know it's been ported to several other consoles since then. I think I have it on 360. But that was it was the last uh, Resident Evil game to use the fixed camera angles. Mm. Uh, it was, I would say, the most evolved of the lot. Um, and just that game, um, it's it's got a long story development history. It was actually originally supposed to be the mainline uh, sequel. Uh, it was supposed to be Resident Evil 3. But they had a Capcom had a licensing deal with Sony so that they had to make three on the PlayStation. So Resident Evil three that we actually have today with Nemesis and everything was actually originally supposed to be a spinoff. Ah. Um, and that's why it's a, a prequel sort of it's like a side story. I see. Um, <clears throat> anyway, but uh, Code Veronica just 
it scared the crap out of me to the point where I could only play it for like an hour or two before I would just absolutely lose it. Um, it used so many creepy uh, tricks. Like there's, um, you know, in a Resident Evil game, when you open up an, an inventory item or you pick something up, you kind of feel safe because you're in the menu now. Nothing can hurt you. Nothing can hurt you in the menu. Um, but one of the early things in Code Veronica is you you pick up this item and it triggers a zombie bursting through the window right next to you. And it's just, That's oh, that game. It sounds mild today. It sounds mild to just talk about it. But um, and I don't know, maybe it doesn't hold up today. Maybe people today would be like, I don't know why this would be scary at all. But it scared the crap out of like 10 <laughs> year old me. So that is one of my highlights. Um, and then just amnesia where I was yeah. just hanging out in a closet for pretty much the entire game. And then was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> let me, let me throw another one out there. Um, again, yeah. another game that isn't a horror game, but is quite creepy. Uh, little nightmares. Have you played this? We, yeah, I started playing it on the switch, Switch has long loading time. So I haven't kept going with it, but I want to. Yeah, it is a it's a it's a 2D platformer. If you've played Limbo or Inside, it's very similar to to those games, which I guess are quite creepy in their own right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's this it's this kind of very atmospheric platformer where they don't really explain what's going on. You're just you know solving puzzles and trying to avoid the scary people. Um, but the idea is that it's a it's a whole nightmare that you're living through uh, from the perspective of like I don't know a pretty young child, and uh, mm-hmm. it is really good. Like it, the 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 characters are really well done. The environments that they put you in are really well done. It's really short, unfortunately. I think I finished it in like two or three hours. It was really quick. Um, but I, like they have Little Nightmares 2 coming out. I'm very excited for it. I think they did a great job. So if you're looking for like something that's creepy, easy to play, you know, it's not like going to get you at every single corner, um, Little Nightmares is a great option for that. Maybe I just suck at it then. I, I found myself dying over and over oh, really? and over again in that game. Yeah, so I, maybe I'm just terrible. Um, I, I think we played it for three ish hours and I guess I don't know how far I am in it, but there's, there's anyway, only four but yeah, stages. There's only four stages. Yeah. Like four different, like, like in between, like, you know, it'll say like the, the ship or something. And then like a little title screen and then it'll put you in an environment for X amount of time. I legitimately don't remember where I'm at. Um, but I gotta say, and this this may sound kind of random, but the thing I kept thinking when I was playing that, just because of the way the world is structured and how people look and everything, it reminded me of like this really twisted horror version of Spirited Away, the Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah. Uh, just because everyone is like large and monstrous looking, um, and and they just kind of are like doing very normal things, like I'm cooking in the corner. Yeah. Um, it's just. I don't know. It's what I kept thinking of. So in my my head canon, this is just like Spirited Away Two, where everything has gone horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> that is that's actually a really great description of that. Spirited Away <laughs> is such this you know this big, larger than life, but all the characters are a little weird and have their mm-hmm. own little personalities. And Little Nightmares is very similar to that, just like like creepy and scary. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's actually like that as done by Tim Burton. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a great selling point on that. I'm going to bring that up again in the future if I'm telling people about that. But yeah, that, there you Still go. If, if you want, if you want Studio Ghibli, uh, uh, but scary, that that's your game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the 3D puzzle solving was cool. Adding 3D elements into like that kind of limbo and inside idea uh, is neat. I yeah, I do like the idea of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so past couple of days, you know, I knew Halloween was coming up and I thought, hey, let's let's throw out a mailbag for my listeners on the daily updates because every single weekend we have some kind of special show that isn't news. And uh, sometimes we have people writing in with their answers. And I said, hey, just give me your Halloween anecdotes or your favorite scary game or the first scary experience that you had. So we had a whole bunch of people writing in and uh, I did cover some on the show, but not all. Mostly because, uh, in some cases, I didn't even know what these games were. And so this is where <laughs> this is where Kato comes in quite handy. Uh, in particular, there's this game called Kudelka. Yeah, Kudelka. Kudelka. Um, yeah, so we have uh, a few people who talked about remembering uh, Kudelka. But yeah, if we could read out... are we, We're going to read them out? Uh, yeah, I mean, do you have one in particular? I do um oh wait no i thought i did <laughs> that's okay just just tell me about the game because i don't know anything about it um no i got i got crimson's so okay, go uh, for it. yeah crimson uh wrote in uh when i was about 11 i played a classic ps1 horror rpg called kodelka that nobody remembers today but i remember it and about 20 minutes in i decided horror games are not for me when you watch a movie you're just uh you're just a witness to the scary story unfolding while playing a game, you're the one making decisions. And I reckon that my decision is to put the gamepad down and turn the console off. <laughs> Same. Oh, great. Yeah, That's it's good. just like your, your Resident Evil 7 story. And I was watching a stream of Amnesia the other day, and it's everyone's saying that. Yeah, like, no, I actually don't really want to save my girlfriend, wife, whatever. I just kind of want to walk away. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kodelka, it's um it's a PlayStation 1 game. It, honestly, a lot of people aren't going to remember this and aren't going to play it, and that's kind of okay. The main reason why it's kind of relevant <clears throat> is because there was a trilogy of uh, kind of Lovecraftian cosmic horror RPGs on the PlayStation 2 called Shadow Hearts mm. that some people may remember it's very niche but um people who know about that series really really love that series uh it's not really like any other rpg out there um think think kind of like how earthbound feels to most jrpgs this is like that but cosmic horror okay um and and so it's interesting and it got kind of this niche audience and they they made three games before the series has just gone dormant they're all on the playstation 2 uh, they're all really expensive now, so I recommend finding like a digital thing or, you know, whatever. Um, but anyway, that series actually spawned from Kodelka. Uh, Kodelka, I don't remember if it's actually canon to the story or if Shadow Hearts is like a spiritual successor. Um, but it is kind of like the the pseudo sequel in some way, shape or form to that. Um, so it's, it's a very niche game and honestly, yeah, I kind of don't recommend anybody go back and find it. I'd, I'd say go and find shadow hearts first. And then if you really, really love that, then it might be worth checking out the origins of it. It's funny how sometimes we either in our youth or even, you know, at this stage, we'll come across a game that we don't know anything about, but you know, like, because we don't know about it, we don't know if it's like, Hey, is it an amnesia or is it a Kadelka? Right? Like that's, that's your spectrum of horror games. And you know, you're like Crimson was so influenced by this game that nobody knows about, you know, like how many of these games have we had in our history where it's just like this weird offshoot game. Maybe we've forgotten about it at this point, but we were so influenced by it. And it's just like one of those random games that was developed and nobody knows about Oh yeah, absolutely. One of the one of my favorite games that I'm determined to at some point 
uh you know i, re I really want to get into game development a lot more and i unfortunately don't really have a computer that can do it right now but um uh, is this genesis game called game ground i really want to make a spiritual successor to that it's a game like nobody's heard of nobody remembers <laughs> and apparently wasn't even liked when it came out it, it got relatively poor reviews uh, but my my college roommate and I used to play it all the time. We just play it over and over again. It was fantastic. So, yeah, That's cool. No, you're totally right. Like sometimes we're just influenced by whatever we happen to have as a kid. Um, I think that's where a lot of those stories come from. Where a game that's relatively unloved, uh, somebody is just a passionate fan of it. It's because they played it as a kid. That's what they had. Yeah. Um, mm. I've got another mailbag here, and I, I want to talk about this one because I do know a little bit about this. Uh, I know you know more about it, but uh, this is from Anna Marie. And again, she's kind of representing the crowd of, of people who don't like scary games. This is what she says. <laughs> I don't normally play scary games because I have a chronic bad dreams, but a friend talked me into playing the whole Nonary Games trilogy. Nonary? Nonary. Nonary. Uh, they're kind of gruesome and predictably and predictably gave me terribly ni terrible nightmares, but I made it through all three games in the series and even got the platinum for them all on Vita. I'll never touch them again, and I still refuse to play creepy games, but I admit they were great. Um, so I know this fr series, apparently, by the name of 999, which was uh, a game that I played on the Nintendo DS. Uh, and I, do, can you remind me what do the, the three nines stand for? Nine... Yeah, it's nine persons, nine hours, nine doors. I, I don't recall if it's in that order. And it's this really creepy dude who's like trying, who's like playing game master with nine different people, putting them in these extreme situations and telling them, you know, get out of here in nine hours or something like that. And it's a visual novel. And um, I played 999 on a road trip to Montreal or to old Quebec City, sorry, or to Quebec City, Quebec. Um, and it was like a, you know, it's like an eight hour drive from here. And so, you know, just on one trip, I did it. And, you know, I don't know how long the average, you know, how long it's supposed to take to beat that game. But the game is meant to be played over and over, right? There's like a there's like a canon ending, and then there's a bunch of random endings that you can get throughout, and you're supposed to see those. And then once you get a random ending, you're supposed to replay the game, make different decisions, and see what else you can get. Uh, mm. I ended up, like, towards the end of my road trip, getting a, a really out-of-the-blue, crazy ending that I did not see coming whatsoever. It was, like, the strangest thing. It came out of left field. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I, that's canon in my head. And I just <laughs> left it there. So I have no idea how the game was actually supposed to turn out. You're, like, trying to figure out who the true bad guy is and all this stuff. And I was just like, you know what? Sure. It was then the whole time. I can deal with that. And maybe I do have to go revisit it at some point. But I just I wasn't up to replaying the whole game uh, as a visual novel. I know you, there's features to skip through it and stuff, but anyway, well, this there, is... there weren't at the time though. Those are all oh. from the remakes. Uh, the remakes used like this branching story tree that you could see and you can go back to individual moments. Oh, that's cool. That was not in the original. You had to play through the entire thing again. And, and you had to just remember what you'd done and what choices you'd made. Like if you didn't write it down or remember it, <laughs> you're out of luck. That is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was not kind. I used a guide after like my first I think my first playthrough. I was like, no, OK, I'm good. I'm just going to check the guide and see what I'm supposed to do. So there you go. That shows my impatience. <laughs> they even remade the game so that people like me could actually enjoy it. And I was still like, you know what? Don't don't even worry. Um, OK, so this is this is a trilogy of games. And I think you've actually okay. talked about the third game on this show, maybe in the early yeah. iterations. But Tell me more about how the series evolved over the two, the next two games, because I know it goes a little differently. 
Yeah, so, yeah, the Nonary Game Trilogy, it's called, uh, actually, it's Zero Escape is what they they kind of adopted as their series name, but only from the second one on. Um, But, yeah, it's 999 is the first one, then Virtue's Last Reward, uh, which was on the DS originally, uh, and, uh, yeah, maybe PSP or Vita or something. Anyway, uh, and then several, several years later, they made uh, Zero Time Dilemma. And that's the Nonary Game Trilogy. And they're all... Um, they're, a vi- they're a visual novel series uh, which feature like point-and-click style escape rooms very heavily. Right. Uh, so each one of them, you, at certain points, go into a room and it's very escape room style. You have to go and click on things and find items, use them on other items, you know, whatever. Solve puzzles. Uh, and the premise is always something sort of like a Saw movie. It kind of feels like a Saw movie, um, especially the first one, 999, feels like Saw 2, uh, where everyone is kind of stuck in a situation. They have to try and work together to get out, but they also kind of feel like they can't all get out. There's not really a way for all of them to get out. So they have to work together, but they're also all going to betray each other at some point. Right. Um, and and it, it brings in a lot of very weird, very pseudoscience ideas. Oh. Um, they bring up a lot of um, kind of like uh, theorize. I, I don't even want to call them like scientific theories because most <laughs> of them are not even really that. Um, they're a big a big uh, element of it is like people can send thoughts to other people like that is a major element of all three games i love video games they're so crazy it's so crazy and it just presents these as just objective truth it's wonderful the way it does this um but yeah they're uh, it's it's funny i didn't when anna marie brought this up i, I read this post and was like oh i never really thought of these as horror games because i i don't think most people will find them traditionally scary they're they're visual novels so you can't really screw it up and the escape room parts it's just puzzles like you can't do anything to um yeah to get your person hurt or anything um but it is kind of like a like a saw movie so yeah it does have some elements of that right um and yeah and the the series uh overall i wouldn't say gets any more scary uh in fact i'd say it gets less scary as it goes on and the ending is terrible i was so so mad at the third game that's probably what you remember i was complaining for several weeks after finishing zero time dilemma and it's still something that bothers me because they just ignored so many plot threads they just retconned like half the second game Mm. anyway I don't know if I really have more to say on it than that, but uh, it's an interesting series. I do recommend uh, it's easy to find on Steam now. Uh, so if you're interested in that kind of um, that kind of escape room idea and that kind of saw to uh, kind of closed circle mystery, uh, I'd say it does a really good job at that. Yeah, and I will say for the first game as well, it was like the they did really good. They had really good writing. the The storyline was very mm-hmm. appealing. It was almost like a page turner in the way that visual novels can be, right? Where you just kind of want to see yeah. the next thing that happens all the time. Yeah, especially if you're into games like uh, like Steins Gate or something. Nine 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 in particular does some things with video game stories that I've never seen anyone else do, and 
could only be done by a video game. And it's really fascinating for that. 999 has always stuck with me because of that alone, that it really couldn't be done. That story could not be done in any other genre or any other medium. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, let's stay on that bit of like what video games can do for the genre, right? As opposed to movies or anything else. Um, You know, let's think about the future, right? Because the big thing about video games is that you become the character. And we've, over the last 20 years, have evolved how good they are at the graphics and the immersion and all of this stuff as technology evolves. It's kind of just iterating on the same thing, right? Um, You know, how the camera's positioned, all this stuff. But I think that, I mean, the obvious path is kind of VR, right? And all of a sudden, you are the character, you are moving as the character, and all these scary things are literally happening around (laughs) you. Um, That's going to be a huge evolution right and i don't know have you played any yet because i was going to for halloween and i totally forgot i'm gonna go and try and get one today uh uh, some kind of scary halloween experience through vr or sorry horror experience through vr but um yeah have you have you done anything like that no and i'm terrified to do so but i also really want to yeah you're gonna have to tell me how that goes because i feel like i'm gonna have a heart attack and just die (laughs) you know what like it kind of exists with half-life alex honestly and Mm, this is the brilliance of this is that VR is so immersive that it's like, it doesn't even need to be a horror. I wouldn't call Half-Life Alex a horror game. It's just mm-hmm. Half-Life, but ha- but because you're the character, it's scary. Like when a, when a head crab is coming towards your, your own face, that is scary. <laughs> so maybe these perfectly average, you know, things that you would experience in a video game normally becomes scary once you're the person in in as you know not on a keyboard or a controller but you know moving your arms around and whatnot so in one element like that's that's kind of it's i I don't want to play a scary intended (laughs) vr game because that's going to be even worse it's going to be even more intense yeah there's um if i recall the exorcist has a vr game there's a there's a vr the exorcist is supposed to be really scary uh i i don't remember i'm trying to think of vr things i've heard about that are terrifying uh the forest you can play in vr which sounds just wow <laughs> just sounds like something <laughs> you know what let's uh let's revisit the forest at some point in the future i'll play it with my with my vr we'll see how it goes oh yeah absolutely <laughs> uh going through those caves <laughs> can you think of uh can you think of any other like natural steps that this can go in terms of video games are there places where developers are missing out you know particular innovations that you know you were just saying that 999 is kind of unique in its own way um other you know is there anything there that's kind of being missed th- left on the table man i wish i did if i if i did i'd uh go and sell it to a game company and be a be a millionaire but yeah no i I, I don't know the horror. It's just so fascinating because there aren't really any rules except maybe break the rules. You have to do something new and different and, and something that people haven't seen before. But, you know, I was talking before about how horror games have to seem more difficult than they actually are because death ruins the horror of it. But then there's games like alien isolation that did perfectly well with that. They, you know, they didn't have any problems and maybe to some people like me that, made it less scary but it certainly didn't hurt sales and people still loved it um i I don't know do you have any ideas no the only thing that kind of goes through my brain is like technology is gonna go like when we are like 30 years from now like think about technology the way it was 30 years ago before basically any of this existed and then now go to what is it going to be 30 years from now i mean ai Mm -hmm. right 
the, yeah. if VR is where we're starting, like, where is it going to be 30 years from now? We're just going to have, like, something that we attach to our head, and all of a sudden we're in a whole new world, <laughs> you know, like some Black Mirror stuff. So, like, yeah. I'm I'm scared for that future of, of scary things. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, man, if they manage to do something with AR, I don't really see AR as a technology that's going to go that far in gaming. But if they could do like a black mirror thing, you just stick the little little ball to your head and suddenly you're like seeing ghosts everywhere. Oh, that would be I would never sleep again. I would never sleep again. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. We we talked a whole bunch about uh, some some scary things in our histories and whatnot uh, to to celebrate some Halloween. Uh, as usual, we do like to cover some news on this show. Uh, usually we start with it, but we thought, what the heck, it's Halloween. Let's, let's start with some scary stuff. Um, with uh, 15 minutes to go on the show, do you maybe mm-hmm. want to just talk about your highlights from the Nintendo Mini Direct? Yeah, so this is one of the main positive things that came out of the last several weeks uh, was the Nintendo Mini Direct. Uh, it was just a couple days ago. Uh, the biggest things uh, that we had were Hitman 3 and Control are coming to the Switch and have some kind of cloud-based tech to make it work, uh, just because these games would not traditionally work on a Switch on the Switch hardware. Um, so it's really cool. I don't really know any details about how that works from a hardware perspective, and I do think that people who are game collectors and want this for longevity are probably going to want to keep in mind that it is very likely the servers are going to be shut down at some point, and these games will just stop working. But if you want to play Hitman 3 and Control, which are both... a apparently amazing things um and you want to play those on the go this sounds like a way to do it um for people who missed it on the wii no more heroes one and two are now out on the switch they already came out they came out uh on the day that they announced on the direct mini day um and both are apparently very very good i've heard very good reviews uh for them they incorporate both the original Wii-style waggle controls huh. as well as standard controls. Okay. Uh, so you can play whichever you'd prefer. And both those games are amazing and were very heavily overlooked on the Wii just because of the nature of the Wii. Um, so I'd take a look at that, and then they just reconfirmed that No More Heroes 3 is coming out next year, um, and that, that game looks great. Uh, the other main things, uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising is coming out for the Switch, and that's that's cool. You played that. Yeah, so they, they released a demo on Google Stadia for Immortals Phoenix Rising. And again, if you've missed it, this is the, the whole concept of this game is, uh, is Breath of the Wild, but Greek mythology, and Ubisoft yeah. is making it. Um, it's a, it's a, it was good. The demo was pretty good. The combat was fluid. The movement was fluid. I think a lot of the problems that people may have had with Breath of the Wild are going to be rectified with this game. Notably, weapon de- de- degradation is not a huge issue um, or is not existent in this. Uh, however, the dialogue is real uh, meta, let's say. It's very like, oh, we are a video game. I think at some point they made like a Sixth Sense reference. They, the dude said, I see dead people. It was like a Greek <laughs> god saying, I see dead people. I'm like... I don't know if it was oh. very. They tried very hard to be like as funny as possible, and it, it was the. It didn't drive with me, so I don't know if that was just for the demo or if it was for the whole game or whatever it was. But uh, you know, sometimes we see that dissonance, right, where the marketing is very mm-hmm. different from the game itself. I'm thinking of like Godfall, um, but in this case, you know, it's a demo of the overall game. the 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 game itself, the core mechanics were entertaining. 
I wasn't. Some people love the dialogue. It wasn't for me. It's going to be really interesting with um, what is it? Genshin Impact mm. uh, that's out now. Uh, people can play that for free on their phones. It's going to be interesting to me to see if Breath of the Wild games really take off because they can play something very similar for free. I don't know. Just random thought. No, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, so so that's coming out on Switch. Uh, it Yeah, I'm glad it looks good, at least from a gameplay perspective. Uh, and I guess if you're into meta storytelling and <laughs> fourth wall breaking, then then great. Um, the other main things, there are two other main things. Uh, they reconfirmed Bravely Default 2, and there is a gameplay trailer that came out for it. Um, it, it actually looks very much like Octopath Traveler. They kind of changed the graphical style to, to fit with that. Cool. So it has that kind of storybook look. Uh, but the combat system looks like Bravely Default, uh, which I love. And if you have not played it, you should absolutely play it because it does the Final Fantasy V job system and and really, really expands that. Uh, so take a look at that if you're into JRPGs with job systems. So the last game that they talked about that's uh, interesting is uh, there's a new story of seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town coming to Switch, uh, which is, if you're not familiar, Story of Seasons is the new Harvest Moon uh, from the original creators, and uh, that's getting a new entry on Switch. It, it, you know, it looked like Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley, and if you're into that and want a new one, then that's coming to Switch, which Good sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you for that rundown. Uh, that yeah. I'm, that we have another bullet point here. I think I just want to glance over it. You know, the. the this has been a largely positive podcast. Let's not bring it down. The basic gist is that CD Projekt is overworking their workers, telling the investors and the public that they're not, or if that, or if they are, then uh, it's not that bad. And that's a literal quote uh, from the CEO of the company. And then just emailing all of the employees saying, hey, we know how bad it is. We're sorry. Uh, and also kind of deal with it. Um, and, uh, that, that's, that's been the talk of the town of the last couple of weeks. And, uh, Cyberpunk, of course, also coming out in December 10th. That's a three week delay. Uh, yet another delay. Uh, it sucks. What can you do? Right. But that's, that's the nature of the industry. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a rough thing. Uh, I don't like, you know, being such a big fan of CD Projekt for so long. It's really depressing to see this. Um, they've been so positive in the industry for so long it's really a bummer to see that they've just really oh really biffed this um so i'm hoping that i'm hoping that they actually learn from this and stop doing this kind of thing but to be honest uh, cyberpunk's gonna sell like crazy when it comes out and i i don't really see it happening but it's fingers crossed Okay, hold on. Let's stay on this for a bit because uh, it's interesting. It's an interest. It's well, it, it goes back to the age old question, right? Separating the art from the artist. And usually that's applied retroactively. I think when you're talking about people in the past, Lovecraft and stuff like that. Um, but in this case, we're talking about a company that is, you know, the CEO has like $300 million in, in sh- stocks or something like that or investment in the company that's worth $300 million. Like, all of that to say, he has a lot of money invested in this company. He's reaping the benefits of this game and, and all the executives. And then the people who are making the game are working 100-hour work weeks while that owner says it's not that bad. Can you? Is that something that you then purchase the game fully recognizing that and say, you know, I recognize it, but I don't care or whatever it is. You know, it's, a, it's an age-old dilemma. Um, but 
you know, hopefully it's it's just more like we end up getting unions, right? And then the the problem would hypothetically be solved. I wish we could just go back to like revenue sharing. I, I mm. doubt that's probably the solution, but like back in the Atari when all these developers were like pumping out a game in a month and then they just stand in line for their royalty check with like $2 million. <laughs> we should just go back to that. <laughs> we're, we're seeing slight changes, right? Like Moon, uh, sorry, not Moon Studios. They're they're the fully remote team, but there, there's another, oh, the people mm. who made Dead Cells, right? Like they're a full yeah. co-op. They're, everybody in that company has full equal share or whatever it is. And they have many, many people working there and it's worked out for them. So, I mean, obviously those kinds of things are going to be kind of unique to each company and not very common. Um, But obviously it's possible to make a video game in these circumstances. So let's try and make something happen, I guess, right? It would be nice. I feel like that revenue sharing thing is probably only going to work in the indie spaces because of the amount of people that you're dealing with. And... You know, I, I do understand like somebody who did a contract work for a week probably shouldn't get like the same revenue share right. as a developer that was on it for the entire time. But, you know, I, I'm not at all qualified to come up with revenue sharing plans. Um, I, I do hope we get to a more equitable situation. Uh, as we always do on the show, let's talk about the video games that we've been playing. I'm going to start because it's a little more routine and yours is more interesting. Uh, I have been playing all of the usual stuff. Um, Hades, as as you know, I love this game. I play it all the time. It has now transitioned <laughs> into a game that I play without sound. Uh, I, I've rolled the credits. I've gone through the narrative. And then now it's like, anytime I have something I want to watch on YouTube or some of my like school classes, I don't really need to be taking notes. So I just put it up on one monitor while I play Hades with the sound off on my main monitor. Um, so yeah, it's kind of transitioned into like that Binding of Isaac, Slay the Spire slot that I that I have. Um, and it's quite nice. So do you have still like storylines, side story things that you're working on? Uh, things that can happen like I, I know Eurydice and Orpheus have their own kind of side story thing. Um, is there still other things like that that are capturing you? Yeah, there's... Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I still take the time to, like, read the subtitles as they go and stuff like that. Like, I, it's just really the only thing that changes is that I'm reading it instead of listening to the voice actor saying it. Um, there's still, like... Every person still has new things to say every single time. So it's kind of a... Mm-hmm. Like, I really wanted to get to the point where I was seeing, like, repeat lines or I had seen everything that happened or whatever, but I'm 40 hours into the game and they still are just constantly lobbing new stuff at me. So I'm like, you know what, like... I, I got the main storyline done. I I would love to experience this, but ultimately, I you know I have other things to do. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I, I've been playing a lot of that. Um, uh, as mentioned, I've been playing, trying to play Resident Evil Seven. I don't know if I'm gonna finish it, but I, I at least wanted the chance to be able to say, hey, I've played a Resident Evil game. Um, so I, I'm gonna definitely sink some more time into it. But for now, I, I'm I'm more like, let's just see how this goes. Um, after I finished with Resident Evil 7, I decided, okay, I need something that's a little more feel-good. So I went to Mass Effect. And Mass Effect is a game that I've played before. I have attempted to finish before. I never really got all that far in before. But I know the the introduction really well. And I was just like, you know what? For, I, I had it installed on the machine. I was like, let's just boot this up again. So I played like the first hour and a half of, of Mass Effect. It's, a, it's still a great game. It doesn't hold up very well in terms of combat, but it's a great game. Um... And then finally, uh, Hitman 2, which yeah. I've been playing for like a year. Uh, this is a game that like every time I get the itch uh, that I want to go kill some evil people, 
in a in a very you know while wearing a clown costume and wielding a a coin that you lodge into their eyeball or something you know that's just that's the game to do it um so they they have like a bajillion challenges in that game and i've just been working through uh, destination to destination you know all the challenges so it's been a lot of fun that's awesome just dropping toilets on people's heads that's the one that stuck with me i heard a story about you drop a toilet on someone's head i i don't even remember that but it doesn't surprise me like there's so many different like yeah. you know and then they give you these challenges that are like do every single disguise and go to every single location <laughs> and i've been on this map for like 10 hours or something <laughs> ridiculous and then i'm like holy crap you can be a plague doctor or whatever like just nice. like some random costume that they just throw at you that i have no idea until i'm specifically looking for it but anyway yeah so many cool things in that game but uh big question though would you play it on the switch hitman 2 yeah yeah i, I mean i know on the 3 switch. is coming out but <laughs> yeah it's a it's a that's a good point. I don't know. It's it's a game that I've really appreciated having on my big screen because there's so much and the world is so big and, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be pretty good on the go. It's a little tense though, right? Like you kind of set yourself up for these very specific moments that you really have to time well. And so if you're like on the go doing that, it might be a little hard to like have that focus, but I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. You could sit in bed and play it though. That'd be Yeah, nice. that's right. Yeah. I don't know. That's, you know... Hitman has always had a thing where it, uh, you know, you can incorporate the old maps if you own the other games. I wonder if three, if you buy that on the Switch, if they're going to have a way of detecting if you've bought two and one. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. Because I feel like that would probably be a deal breaker for me on the Switch. I wouldn't want to, you know, lose the content from the first and second game. Hmm. Interesting. Right. I didn't even think I'll have to look into that because that I yeah. am curious about that. Anyway, uh, you want to tell me what you've been playing? Yeah, so I've been playing more Baldur's Gate 3, uh, which I'm just going to be playing for the rest of time because that game is amazing. Um, I have made a second character. Ah. So I'm now playing a Githyanki rogue. And really, I wanted to try more of the stealth gameplay um, because stealth is incredibly fun in that game. It's uh, They make sneak attack really, really easy to do, which I'm actually a little bummed about. They say that there's prerequisites and, and things that you need to do uh, to, you know, check boxes, tick off in order to use sneak attack, which does extra damage if you hit them. Uh, it seems to just work no matter what, though. <laughs> I haven't found any situation where it doesn't work, so I'm not totally sure what's going on with that. But if you are sneaking around people, you can pickpocket from them or you can, uh, you can I don't know, do horrible things. There was a guy who was standing guard he was like a sentry up on a building and i snuck up behind him and pushed him off the building <laughs> felt very good as he <laughs> fell to the ground but that game's just it's so good i'm doing everything very very differently i'm trying to play an evil character which is really i don't like playing evil characters normally i i'm like no i feel really bad for that npc i just screwed over <laughs> um oh, but I, I wanted to see it so. I had the same thing with Mass Effect. I'm like, I've played this yeah. game before. Let's just be the evil person. So I started, I was just being like evil shepherd. And then I'm going through, going through. And I'm like, man, I just feel terrible now. Like this was supposed to be my feel good. So then I switched to the, all the good options. Yep. Right. I know you've got like all of your, you've got, um, oh, what's the pilot's name in Mass Effect? I can't think of his name. Um, Joker. 
Joker. Yeah, Joker's just like chatting with you. He's like making a joke, and you're like, "Shut up, Joker! Yeah. <laughs> you're the worst." <laughs> I was just like, "No." My I favorite like Joker. <laughs> my favorite is I went like you know you land on the first planet in Mass Effect, and there's this invasion going on, and you go into this this kind of room that has two people who are hiding from the invasion. And you go, and you're, t- and this one guy has kind of just lost his mind. He's just saying random stuff, and you're kind of worried about him. And, uh, mm. you know, the good option is, like, don't worry, you know, you'll be all right. Maybe you give them something. The bad option is you just punch the man in the face, and he falls onto <laughs> the ground, knocks out. And the lady is like, oh, my God, you're supposed to be saving us. And you're like, don't worry. This was this is what he needed. Like this was for the better. And she goes, "Yeah, I guess so." And after that, I was like, "Forget it." I'm go. I felt so bad. I I just clocked him in the face. So anyway, I thought it was brilliant because it came out of nowhere. But um, yeah, there you go. It's it's true. And Mass Effect maybe does that decently well, just because it's so comically over the top. His 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 lines are just incredible. I I love his one where he screams at the uh, the jellyfish creature on the citadel. Um, there's one of those one of those big floating jellyfish moth- aliens that is all religious. Uh, they believe in like some god, and he's like handing out pamphlets basically on the citadel. And there's a, a citadel officer saying, "Stop doing that!" You're like, you don't have a permit, and you can just go up to him and yell, "You're a big dumb jellyfish!" And it's just. It gets there me every go. single time. <laughs> you, you gotta love um, it, folks. Yeah, but yeah, so anyway, I'm just playing more Baldur's Gate 3 and experimenting with what you can and can't do. Um, it's very cool the way Githyanki in particular are treated so, so, so differently than the other races because of the way the plot goes. Um, you know, I've, I've got some party members who are now very uh, friendly towards me. Oh, my phone's just exploding. Um very friendly to me who before they actually secretly wanted to kill me. Um, and I've had other party members who just straight up wouldn't join me that I had in my party the first time through, uh, that one in particular Shadowheart, the cleric was like, Nope, Nope. Don't trust you. (laughs) Um, and I did have a chance of convincing her to join me, but it was way too high and I just failed. So, uh, it's cool to see the way things, you know, change and go differently. Great. Well, I'm happy you're happy with it. I hope yeah. everybody else is happy with it. And obviously they're in early access right now, but sometime next year, they're going to have a, a a huge, another huge RPG on your hands to play. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited when there's more classes and stuff too. And I imagine there's going to be more kind of good party members. One thing people have mentioned a lot is that there's almost entirely evil characters that are your party members right now. And they did say that was what they wanted to do because they're trying to make that path more appealing to mm-hmm. people. Um, but like when they start adding paladins in and and classes like that, they're gonna have more good characters, and um, I'm just I'm really excited to play with those kind of characters. Awesome, very cool. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for joining us for the now named Adrian and Cato show. Uh, that's gonna wrap us up. Thank you for joining us, Cato. If uh, if people would like to follow up, where can they find more of you? I am on Twitter at vg underscore of the day, as in video game of the day. That is the best place to keep track with what I'm doing. I will always tweet about things I'm working on, things I'm doing. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, also at VG underscore of the day. And I am on Twitch. I stream right now. I'm streaming Silent Hill 2 uh, every every Tuesday, 4 to 6 p.m. Um, and that is on twitch.tv slash Katosep. And that is K-A-T-O-S-E-P-E. 
There you have it, folks. Uh, if you'd like to join the Gaming Observer community, head over to thegamingobserver.com slash Discord. We'd love to have you. And uh, otherwise, we'll be back next week with, hopefully next week, we, uh, it's been a few weeks on and off here and there because of uh, very busy school, but otherwise we'll try to be back uh, next week. So until then, happy gaming, everyone. Happy gaming, everyone.